Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. How you doing today? You doing good? I'm sorry, I'm interrupting your, your talking. You're talking to your friends. I told you to greet somebody and then I started asking questions. Um, I'm excited today. We're going to start a new series this morning um, about, I had one woo. I had one woo. Let me try that again. I'm excited about the series this morning. Okay. Um, and uh, we're going to start a, a new series about work. Now, I, I know, don't overwhelm me with your amens. Because um, you're like, I've been working all the way to get to the weekend so I don't have to think about work. That's what we're talking about this series. Uh, so... Uh, we, we wanted to just title it a fun title, and so I had the title for a long time, and I, I now I've been waiting to give it to Michael uh, for a series about work, and I want to call it Working for the Weekend. Of course, every, I'm not going to sing it. I know you want me to sing it, but I'm not going to sing it. But all you know that song, Working for the Weekend, so Michael said, man, that would be a really fun one to work on, because he's our graphic designer around here. So uh, I thought he did a great job, very 80s vibe and theme to it, um, so the, the title of the series is called Working for the Weekend, and don't let the, the, the graphic design fool you. Um, this is not just going to be like a goof-off series just because the, the title is real fun and the graphics are real, you know, 80s. Uh, but we want to talk about work this morning. And in this series, um, when we talk in series, we do it for reasons because we can't get into everything in one week. And I like to do series, I haven't preached in a series in a couple months, but we like to get into a series so we can really dive deep into a topic and we can really uh, talk about things. And it usually, to get into certain topics, it takes four or five weeks to talk about something. So we're going to start this series today called Working for the Weekend. And uh, the, the first message today is laying the foundation for all the rest of the messages. And in this series, we're going to talk about work, we're going to talk about calling, we're going to talk about rest, we're going to talk about what it means to be a human being on this planet, uh, we're going to talk about what God says about all these things. Now, stay with me because I know in a series like this, uh, this is not like normal church talk, the stuff I'm going to talk about today. It should be, but a lot of churches never even talk about stuff like this, and so it's important we get into it. So today, I want to talk about the purpose of work. The purpose of work. Now we're going to turn to Genesis 1. We're going to start there in the very beginning of your Bible. We're going to have a little bit longer of a passage. Genesis 1 and verse 26. So let's start. Now this, these verses, and it's going to be a little bit longer. Uh, we're going to go all the way into the next chapter. But we're going to lay the foundation for where we're going in this series. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God who created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit, and you shall have them for food. 
And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the sixth day. Now let's jump to chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Now stay with me. This is the foundational verses for where we're going in this series. Now, some of you haven't read your Bible all week. Now, I'm not, I'm not shading you by that. I'm just saying. So let's consider this you reading your Bible for the week together. I'm reading for you. You're listening. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day to made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth. And when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now you're staying with me, right? You're very quiet, but you're listening, right? Okay. I, I got about 10 more verses and then I'm going to land the plane. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. And in the midst uh, was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made it to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life that was in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to the water, the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first one is Pishon, and it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of the land is good, and Bedulam and onyx stone are there. And the name of the second river is Gihon, and it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third one is the Tigris, which flowed east of Assyria, and the fourth is the river Euphrates. Last verse. And you guys took a deep breath. It's a lot. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. To work it and to keep it. Okay, so I said a lot there. I read a lot of verses, and we're going to dive into this, this sermon series. So today I want to talk about the purpose of work. Now, sometimes in church, we only preach messages to Sunday morning. We only preach messages that are just for your Sunday morning life. And I try not to preach that way, but a lot of times we do because we live separated lives. We, we live a life that here's my work life and here's my, my fun life and here's my spiritual life and here's my social life and here's my family life and we separate them all out and that's not the, God, the way that God created us to live. We should not hear what we hear on Sunday and keep that on Sunday. The, the messages that we hear on Sunday should go throughout our entire week and, and stay with us Monday through Saturday. It's all of your life if it belongs to God. 
in all of your life, hear me this morning, is your spiritual life. Not just the times you're at church or when you're praying, but if you are a spirit, which the Bible says all of us are a spirit, then all of your life is your spiritual life. Now, here's something else that you need to know. God cares about all of it. He cares about all of your life. He, he doesn't just care about the spiritual side of you that's at church or praying or in your Bible. He cares about every part of your life because all of your life belongs to him. And all of your life is spiritual because you are a spirit. Now, a lot of times we don't always see the meaning and the purpose of our work because we have no theology and no one has taught us from the Bible about the importance of work. Now, that's why I titled it Working for the Weekend. Because in our culture, it's kind of a running joke that working, going to your job, working a nine to five, there's always negativity and I don't want to be there and I don't want to have to do that and I hate my job and I hate my boss and I hate my life. And how many of you know that's not God's will for any of us? But it's the cultural norm to say that. That's why we make jokes. That's why people write songs. Working for the weekend, man, I'm just working to get to Friday. And most people feel that way. I'm just putting in my five days at work to get to Friday. Then I can do what I want Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that's my real life. But working those five days, man, I hate it. I don't want to be here. I'm just doing this so I can do what I want on the weekend. That's no way to live. It's no way to live. And God has better for you. But nobody talks to you about this type of stuff. Or, or, you know, we talk about, you know, I'm just working for the man, working to make somebody else rich. I'm just working for a paycheck. I'm just working um, so I can pay my bills. I'm just working to, so I can live paycheck to paycheck. That's not God's best or will for any of us in here to feel that way. It's not. And we got to be careful that we don't let the world and the culture around us tell us how we should feel about our work. Because a lot of us, are flowing downstream with what the world says about how we should feel about work and our job and our career and our calling. And we're just punching in the clock just like everyone else is without meaning, without purpose, and we don't like it either. We're, we're, we're hating our job. We're, we're dreading going. You know, some of you are already dreading Monday. I know you're on Sunday, but you're thinking about tomorrow right now. Hear me, church family. That's not the way that God wants you to live. And that's not the way you have to live, but we have to talk about what we're going to talk about today to get some answers from God's word. And that's what I want to try to do this morning as your pastor to try to help you to see the purpose and meaning behind work, where it started, where it came from, what God says about it, because I don't want any of us to live our whole lives this way. You with me? Okay, I just want to lay a little foundation today. Um, now listen to this. This is the pre-COVID numbers of how many people like their job or dislike their job. Most of the pre-COVID numbers of people that didn't like their job was at least 50 to 60%. After COVID, the most recent stats say that 80% of people are dissatisfied and do not like the job they go to. 80%. That's a lot of people. Do you... Imagine the workplace environment if 80% of everyone that goes to work hates being there. 
They don't like their coworkers. They don't like their boss. They're at a job they don't want to be at. You can imagine why the work in America especially has went downhill and a lot of, you know, stores and restaurants and businesses have went down and, and foreclosed or their products are lesser than they used to be. Why? Because 80% of people don't want to be there. They don't like it. And we've grown to think that that's okay. And it's not. That's not God's best for any of us. Now, now here's why it's so important. Because you spend most of your life working. Now, stay with me today because you're already way, way too quiet for me as a, as a preacher. I'm not used to this so far. But I realized as soon as I said work, everyone just sucked it in. There's like, I'm not saying anything the rest of the service. No, 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 stay with me because you know this is not my normal flow to, to be talking this calm this long so far. But you, but you got to encourage me. Don't leave me hanging today. Don't leave me hanging because it's got to get better. I'm just laying the foundation for where we're going. This is why it's a big deal because we spend most of our lives working. So guess what? If you hated your job and you hated your life there and you're completely disconnected from meaning and purpose, that means you're wasted a large portion of your life. Is that God's will? Is that God's best for you? Didn't we just talk about in the past few weeks the verse that said, make the most of every opportunity and don't waste the time for the days of e are evil? Well, if you feel that way about your job every week, you're wasting your time and your life away. And that's not God's best for any of us. We spend 90,000 hours in our life at work. That is one third of your life is spent at work. So I think it's important on how we feel about our work, what God says about our work, that we find a meaning and purpose and not waste one third of our entire life or more, some people work more than that, on a job or a career or a calling that we are dissatisfied in and we hate and we can't put our heart into it and there's no meaning and no purpose. That's not God's will for us. God has a lot to say in his word about this. So we're going to look in Genesis. Let's look in Genesis again. Genesis we're going to the beginning because Genesis tells God's original design and original plan. God's original design and original plan. Let's turn to Genesis 1 in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And look at this verse. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the air of the heavens. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. We're going to stop right there. We need to go back to Genesis because Genesis is God's original design and original creation. We need to go back there to see what God's original plan and design is for us as humans. Now, God gave us a pattern in Genesis on how we should live and work and rest. 
Before there was Adam, God was in the garden and he was creating, he was working. The Bible says that God worked for six days, creating, designing, uh, working the, the earth and the garden to make it what it was. And then on the seventh day, he rested. Now, why did God do that? God was giving mankind, human beings, a pattern on how they should live their life. The, the work side and the rest side, that, that we are created to work, we are created to, to do something, but we're also created to rest. Now, but God gave us a pattern. It says he works six days. But on those days, notice what he said every time he got done. It said that God created every day different things. He worked every day. But then at the end of the day, he said it was good. Now, he said it was good because God meant for all of us, including himself, to get satisfaction and fulfillment and meaning. Come on now, somebody. Out of his work and not just work and work and work and hate his job and hate going to work and, and see no fulfillment and meaning and purpose in it. God said he worked every day and then at the end of it he said it was good. Why? Because God wants us to work every day and, and work with the right heart and the right attitude and get meaning and purpose out of our work like he did. And at the end of the day we could say it was good. Because we're created to work. God worked and we are created to work. And he wants us to have purpose, satisfaction, and meaning that comes out of that work. It was good. It was good. But then on the seventh day, it said that God rested. And God rested not because he was tired. He rested to delight in his work. To enjoy the fruit of his work. And that is equally as God's will as it is for us to work is for us to enjoy rest. And to enjoy delight and to enjoy the work that we've experienced all week and the, the fruits of it. That's God's will for us. So, God says in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, after he got done giving us the pattern on how we should work, and it should be good every day, we should get satisfaction and meaning out of that, and how to rest, he created a man and a woman to do the same thing in the garden. Now, the first thing he says about man is this, that he was created in his image and his likeness. Now, that's identity. We are created in the image and likeness of God. That's our identity as human beings. Every human being has value, has worth, and is created in the image of God. Now, now, why are we going to talk about this? Because you need to know your identity. You need to know who you are. Because out of your identity comes your calling, what you do. God created us in his image and his likeness. Now, the reason he chose those words specifically, because at the time and day that the Bible was written, there was other cultures writing their own books and their own history books and their own versions of who God was and who God wasn't. And they... In that time, in that day, that only the king would be created in the image and likeness of God. But the Bible says a different story that all of us are kings and queens. And we're all created in the image and likeness of God. Not just one person or one leader or, or one person from a certain family. All of us as human beings are in the image of God. Now we are called to be kings and queens because you see the language in Genesis says that 
mankind was meant to have dominion. That's king and queen talk. That out of our identity, the image of God, we are designed to do something which is to have dominion, to rule, to have authority on this earth to reign. That's what the, the language says in Genesis, that we are created to rule, to, to do something with this world, to, to not just leave it the way we found it. We're called, called to work it and to keep it, the Bible says. But notice the language in Genesis is not passive, it's active pertaining to Adam and Eve. Because a lot of us picture the garden as they were just floating around in a little pool, drinking lattes, chilling in the Garden of Eden. But the Bible is not passive with what they were doing. They were active. The Bible says that Adam and Eve weren't sitting back in the garden. They were actively working the garden. It says that God called them to be fruitful and to multiply, to replenish the earth. It says that he called them to fill the earth and subdue it. He, he called them to rule and to reign. He called them to work the garden and keep it. That is not passive language. They were not just laid back having a vacation in the garden. They were actively working. They were actively working. And by working, they were fulfilling their call and their purpose to do what God had called them to do. Now, I, I know we got a culture that we're almost starting to honor people that don't work. Like that's something that's good. Or like, I'm just trying to work so I can retire to do nothing. That's not God's call and plan for your life. Retirement is not in the Bible. You might retire from your job, but you don't need to retire from life. You're still called to do something. And it's amazing they they found out with young people and even older people, when they stop working and doing something, their mental health and physical health declines because you're created to do something. You're not called to just play golf every day. You're not called to just go fish every day. You're not called to sit on your porch and think about the good old days. You're not called to just sit in your room and watch Netflix. There's a reason why you're so depressed and anxious. Because you're living outside of God's purpose and meaning for your life. Because you were created to work and to keep it. You were created to cultivate. You were created to be fruitful and multiply. You were created to rule and to reign. Not to sit back on a lifelong vacation while you're here on the earth. Y'all want to play with me or not today? Come on. I'm just getting going, but we were created to work and keep this place. And that's a part of God's design and God's purpose that we work it and we keep it. We rule, we reign. That's God's purpose for us. It's not God's purpose for us to sit around. Take vacations all the time and just lay back and let somebody else work. Let somebody else do it. No, we were called to create and to work and to rule and to keep this place. So, let me take it a little bit further. All right? I got a lot to say, a lot of thoughts, a lot of things going on up here right now. You want to hear another thing annoying about? No. <laughs> Morgan, I'm just saying, we could just break the ice again. No, I don't have anything this week. It is her birthday today, by the way. 
Hey. Yeah. So I won't say anything. I'll just keep my mouth shut. I'm joking. So in Genesis, we see that God gave mankind, human beings, their identity, which is the image and likeness of God. We are, we are kings and queens on the earth. That's what God has called us to be, to rule, to reign, not over other people, but in this world, and to work. To work it, to keep it, to be fruitful, to multiply. But notice, out of our identity comes our calling, our work, to rule. Now, this word to rule or to have dominion means to actively partner with God in taking the world somewhere. To actively partner with God in taking the world somewhere. Now, now this thought is echoed even in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul says in Corinthians that we are God's co-laborers, co-workers. We are called to partner with God. Now, I know some of you who are super religious think, well, you know, God doesn't need us. You know, God can do it by himself. Yes, he can, but God decided to need us. God decided to want us. God decided to bring his family in on what he's doing. Now, he didn't have to, but he decided to. Yeah, we know God can do what he wants to do, but God has decided to get us as his children involved in his work. To, to, to be fellow laborers, to be co-laborers, to partner with him in changing the world. God has, has designed us to all be a part of that, not just him. And, and, and so we are called to partner with God, to rule with him and what he's called us to do. So we, we, we see here that work is not a curse. It's a blessing. Now, now, some people will say, well, you know, we only started working uh, when there was a curse that happened in Genesis 3 and, you know, Adam and Eve sinned. No, they were working before this. And work is not a curse. This was a perfect world and Adam and Eve had jobs. It was a perfect world. And God had them working the land and working what they were called to do and to keep it. Let's look at Genesis 2 and verse 15, if we could pull that up. Genesis 2 and verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. To work it and to keep it. To work it and keep it. This word work means to cultivate. This is where we get the word culture. It means to create, to design, to work. God created man and woman and he put him in the garden. He, that means he put him on this earth, in this world, to work it and to keep it, to, to, to make it what it needs to be. Now, God literally was like, you guys, here's the garden. Here's all the tools you need. Here's all the seeds. Here's all the trees. Here's all the rivers. This is your garden. Now, you go do something with it, and you make it what you want it to be. That's what he said. So Adam and Eve had the choice. We can make this garden beautiful or we can make it ugly. We can, we can make this garden go out throughout the whole earth or we can keep it right here. But we have a choice and so do we. God has given all of us the tools that we need right now to do what we're called to do on this earth. And he says, okay, I've given you the gifts and I've given you the ability and I've, I've given you the place to work. But it's your job to work it and keep it in your life. And this world can be whatever you want it to be. But you got to do something with it. 
because I've given you dominion and rule to do something with the gifts that I've given you. We are all called to work it and keep it. And it's all different for all of us in here. We have different things that God has called us to work and to keep and to, to, to multiply and to subdue and to rule. But it's all different for each of us in here. But God has given us all these tools. And notice he put us here and says, you make the garden what you want it to be. You make your life what you want it to be. You make this world what you want it to be. But I've given you the tools to do it. I, I've given you identity, which is you're the, in the image and likeness of me. But I've given you a calling, which is to work and rule this earth. Because what you do matters. Who you are matters, but what you do matters just as much. So, let's take it a few steps further. You with me? I feel like none of you are breathing right now. Like you haven't been breathing this whole time. Can you grab me a water real quick? Thank you. Can we turn on some air? I see a lot of people fanning. Because you guys are sweating on what I'm going to say today. <laughs> All right, let's start here. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about the purpose of work. The purpose of work. So, two big ideas. I want to talk about the rest of this time today. We're talking about the purpose of work. Now, I've laid the groundwork for what we're talking about. So, we're going to build on that. We went back to Genesis God said, we have identity. We're in the image and likeness of God. We are kings and queens on the earth. That's the language of that. And out of that comes our calling. We're called to work it, to keep it, to subdue it, to rule it, to cultivate this earth and, and to work and to make the garden or our life and our world what we are called to make it. So the two big ideas, and I'm going to talk about these, is work is worship and work is witness. Work is worship, and work is witness. Everybody take a deep breath. Okay, there you go. You're good. Work is worship. Now, we know when we talk about worship, some of y'all think it's just music. Or what we just did with AMZ and the praise team. We, we were just like up here worshiping, singing. That's worship. That's only one part of worship. The Bible gives a, a way bigger view of worship just like it does a way bigger view of your life. And worship is not just the songs we sing on Sunday. Worship is bigger than a service. Worship is our life. Do you realize to God the way you raise your kids is worship? The way you love your neighbor is worship. The way you handle your money to God is worship. The way you take care of the broken around you is worship. The way you go to your job is worship. What you think in your thought life is worship. Everything in our life is worship to God. Everything. Everything speaks of worship to God. Our whole life is worship to God. So we want to talk about work is worship. Some of you have never seen that before. Romans 12 and verse 1. Let's read here in the New Living. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a holy, living and holy sacrifice. This kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
Let's look at the message translation of this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering or as worship. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So this verse is saying that our whole life is worship to God. Not just our spirit, but our soul, what we think about, our body, our work, how we take care of our kids, how we handle our money. It's all worship to God. Now, once again, it's cultural that we separate our life out, but to God, it's not separated out. And it shouldn't be in our thinking as well. All of our life belongs to God. All of our life is spiritual. All of our life is worship if it's unto God. So let's talk about work is worship. Put your seatbelt on. (laughs) Now, a lot of you in here fully believe that what I do is worship to God. Every single one of you. I know this. Every single one of you in here feel like what pastor does with his life and his calling and his work, it's worship to God, which it is. But there's the problem because you think what you do isn't. That's why there is a lack of meaning, a lack of purpose, a lack of passion in most people that come to church every week on what they do Monday through Saturday because they feel like, well, what pastor does is worship to God, but what I do is not. And that's a wrong way of thinking, and it's not true in the eyes of God. And it's not true in your Bible, but it's the way we have thought about it in our world, and it's wrong. Really, what I do on Sunday is worship, but the Bible says that you come here in Ephesians, it says that I can teach you and equip you to do the work, the Bible says in Ephesians, of the ministry outside of here. So yes, what I do in my work is worship, but what you do outside of these four walls is just as much worship. But you come to church so I can equip you and empower you and encourage you to do what you're called to do out there. So it's not just worship what I do in here. It's worship what you do out there. And we need to see this because the reason the church world as a whole has not changed the world is because we don't see it this way. We just see what happens inside the four walls of the church. That's worship, and that's important. But, but outside in the big, bad world, that's not important what I do. No, it's just as important. And if you took your job just as important and realized it's worship to God, it would change your workplace. It would change your school. It would change your community. It would change your neighborhood because that would start changing because you see it as worship just as much as I see my part as worship. Now, stay with me. Work is worship. Now, now, where do we get this idea that's not true? We got this idea many, many years ago, and it's called the sacred versus secular divide. Now, this started with Greek philosophy. Greek philosophy taught that there's a natural world and a spiritual world, but the natural world is evil and it's secular. But the spiritual world is good and it's sacred. 
Now, that was Greek philosophers that, that introduced this idea, but the church picked it up many, many years ago. This was continually thought of in the first thousand years of the church and even into the Middle Ages, into the Dark Ages, this idea of sacred versus secular work was taught. Now, now you guys have accepted this like this is normal, but this should not be normal. This idea of, and especially during the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages, that the priest or the pastor is doing something sacred, and he's really important, and we need to really honor him, and that's, that's the really important thing, but, but what I do outside the church is secular work. It's natural. It's evil. It's not important. That's not a God idea. That's a man-made idea. And especially in the dark ages, the middle ages, they would, they would see the priest as he's the guy who's worshiping to God. He's the guy we need to look up to. He's the guy we need to hear from God from. And, and I can't do that because I do something secular. So, so back then, the, the blacksmith would be secular. And the baker, what they did was secular. And the farmer, what they did was secular. And the, the stay-at-home mom, what they did was secular. And how many know if you teach people that, it takes all the meaning and purpose and passion out of their work? Come on, I'm laying the groundwork for where we're going today. The truth is, if you belong to God, and all of you in here do, you are called just as much as I am called. The truth is that you're a minister just as much as I am a minister. That you're in service to God just as much as I am in service to God. The Bible says that everything in our life, because if it's for God, is spiritual and it's a sacred work. If we're doing it for him. Now, now look at this verse, 1 Peter 2 and verse 10. Now he's talking to a church of people, not just the leadership. He, um, can we do verse 9? I'm sorry. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, if we could pull that up, and then we'll do verse 10. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, I gave you the wrong verse. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation. Now he's talking to the church, not just leadership. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. So here's the truth. If you belong to God, you are a minister. You are a priest. You are called. And you are in service to God. No matter where you work. If you belong to God. And it is a sacred call it is a spiritual call it is a sacred work and we need to treat it as that hear me it's not what you do that determines whether your work is sacred or secular it's who you do it for determines whether your work is sacred or secular it's not what you do for work 
determines whether your work is sacred or secular. It's who you do it for. It's who you do it for. So that means the barista at Starbucks, if they're doing it unto the Lord, that's a sacred work. The lawyer doing it for the Lord is a sacred work. The stay-at-home parent doing it for the Lord, it's a sacred work. The teacher, the business leader, the painter, the accountant, the electrician, the hairdresser, if they're doing it for God and unto him, it's a sacred work just as sacred as me preaching right now. And God has called you there for a reason, to be a minister and a priest and called you to do something in that sphere of work that you are called to be in, not just me. Now, if you see this as the pathway of, well, what pastor does is he's doing the work of the Lord. People say like that to me, like, you're doing the work of the Lord. But what are you doing? I'm not the only one doing the work of the Lord. You know, Daryl building houses, if he's doing it for the Lord, he's doing the work of the Lord. You know, Katie nursing, if she's doing it for the Lord, she's doing the work of the Lord. Amzy painting, he's doing the work of the Lord if he's doing it for him. All of us in here, whatever job it is, if we're doing it unto him, we're doing the work of the Lord, and it's sacred to God, and we should treat it as sacred work, work that is not just secular, it's sacred, because we're called to be a minister, a priest, serving in whatever area we're working in. Let's look at another verse, Colossians 3 and verse 23. Whatever you do, notice whatever you do. Whatever your task may be, work from the soul that is put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. As for the Lord and not for men. Let's look at another verse, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So... Still talking about work is worship. Now you with me? There's something that happens in worship that we see in the Bible. When worship happens, God's glory always comes. And it just said in that verse, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. When, when we work unto God, whatever area that is or whatever call that is, it's worship to God, but when God's worship happens, God's glory comes. Stay with me. God's glory is God's presence and God's beauty. When we go into our workplace outside of these four walls and we're choosing to work as worship to God, it brings God's presence and beauty into that place. It brings God's presence and beauty into that coffee shop and into that boardroom and into that machine shop and, and, and into that school we're going to, into that, that, that hotel we're working at and into wherever we're going, into that law firm. It brings God's glory and beauty into that place when we work as worship. 
Now, how is God's beauty and presence and glory going to get into the places that are outside the church unless we take it there? It's only going to get there through the people like us that are sent there to bring God's glory into that place. It brings God's glory into our workplace and into our world when we work as worship. Do you realize in the, in the past several thousand years, pretty much all the greatest painters, musicians, composers, writers, scientists, theologians, philosophers, were all Christians who had this theology about their work. That's why they were better than everybody else. That's why they did more than everyone else. And they, they realized that their work was so important and they weren't preachers. They were out in the world. But they saw their work as worship to God, realizing when I do this well, it's going to bring God's glory, beauty, and presence into the world around me. And when people see that, it will reflect God's glory. You know this for a fact. When, when you see those beautiful churches, especially over in Europe and around the world, you see the artistry and, and some of the most famous artists of all time were all people involved in the church. Michelangelo and Da Vinci and all the famous composers of music, they were all Christians. They were all involved in the church. And all their music was to glorify God. Why? Because when we see beauty in the world, what does it do? It points to God. When we see great design in the world, it points to God. When we see great work and somebody does a great job at what they do, it points to God and it brings God's glory into that situation. When people see the great artistry and design of all these famous people who followed God, it points back to God and brings him glory. Because God gave him those abilities and those gifts and those talents. And it points to the beauty and presence of God. Now, I realize a lot of what I'm saying is so foreign because the Western church is so far the other extreme as what I'm teaching. Seems foreign, but this is normal Bible stuff. This is the way the church in the past used to live this way. That's why it changed the world. You realize why the first several centuries of Christianity took over the Roman Empire and then spread throughout the whole world. It changed everything in the entire world. Why? Because Christians were living like this, not just the preachers. Are you getting anything today? All the believers had this identity that I'm a priest and I'm a minister and I could bake bread and do that. And you know, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to make the best bread and that bread's going to glorify God. Or if I'm called to paint, I'm going to be the best painter I can be. And if I paint to the glory of God, it's going to glorify and worship God. Work is worship to God, but when we do it right, God's glory, his presence and beauty is shown in the world around us. Let's talk about work is witness. Work is witness. You guys get something today? You follow me? Okay. When we work as unto the Lord, it's a witness in our workplace. Now, let me clarify what I'm saying. 
I'm not talking about witnessing at work. I'm talking your work should be your witness. Because that's what Christians really want to do. They, they're saying, Pastor, I want to witness at work. And I'm saying, no, you need to work in that work. Be your witness at work. Meaning if it's for God and unto the Lord, it should be the best. And your work gives you credibility with the people around you for you to share your faith with them. How many know you can't be the laziest person there and expect to have credibility in that job place to share your faith? You can't have the worst attitude there and say you're a believer and be a good witness. No, if you're going to change your workplace and your work is going to be a witness to the, your workplace and the world around you, your work should be your witness. What does that mean? You should be the best at what you do. You should be the best at what you do. You should have the best attitude at your workplace. You should be the smartest one in the room. You should be the one trying the hardest. Why? Because your work is not unto those people. It's unto the Lord. And when you work like that, that is a witness to the world around you. It gives you credibility. It gets you respect. Because people respect hard work. People respect excellence. People respect people that are great at what you do, and your work is a witness. Brother Daryl, could you come play? Because i got to lay in the plank. I love this quote. It says, if it's for God, it ought to be good. If it's for God, you ought to work hard at it. If it's for God, it ought to matter to you. And hear me here. If it's for God, you ought to do it better than somebody who doesn't do it with God. Because our work is our witness. Sometimes we think being a witness at our work is this, and it's not. You're turning people off. Some of you think if I have a Christian bumper sticker, I'm a witness. If I wear a Christian shirt every day, I'm a witness. If I have my Bible on my table at work, I'm a witness. If I'm the loud, boisterous Christian, I'm a witness. No, when you are great at what you do, then you're a witness. When you're excellent at what you do, you're a witness. When you try the hardest to do what you're called to do, you're a witness. When you have the best attitude, you're a witness because your work is a witness. Because it's not unto men, it's unto the Lord. Now, some of you don't excel at your jobs, not because you're not a hard worker. It's because you're thinking, man, I don't know. I don't want to do this for my boss or I don't want to do this for my coworkers or what's the point? It's not about them. I said, whatever you do, do it unto him because your work's not about your boss or your coworkers. Or anybody else, it's unto him. And if you're doing it for him, you'll be a witness to the world around you. Work is a witness. Here's another quote I love. The maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors I'm not done the Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on shoes 
but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. Why? Because our work is our witness. We see this in the book of Daniel. Daniel and the three Hebrew children. It says they were in Babylon, which was the world. But it says because they all had an excellent spirit. It said their attitude was better than everyone else. It said they were ten times smarter than their fellow people that worked with them. That Daniel and the three Hebrew children excelled in a godless culture in Babylon. Why? Because their work was their witness. They were excellent in what they did. And they got promoted because of that. And their work was a witness. And later on it says that they asked Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, well, who is your God? Because you're so excellent. You're so gifted. You're so smart. You've excelled above all the rest of the world's workers. We want to know about your God. Why? Because their work was their witness. But here's something I fully believe. If we will do the natural part and working, being a witness with our work by our excellence, by our attitude, by our hard work and diligence, that God will put anointing on us to go further than we can go in the natural. He will enlarge your gift. He will give you divine ideas. He will give you a divine ability to go further than your coworkers that don't know him. He will give you anointed ideas to solve problems at your workplace. He will give you new graces and ability, but we have to show him that we're serious about working as unto him and not unto men. And God can anoint us to do that. You know, God doesn't just anoint preachers. He anoints you guys out there. Give you anointing to make money. He give you anointing to be an entrepreneur. Give you, give you anointing to be an architect. Give you anointing to be a therapist. Give you anointing to be a nurse. Give you anointing to be a construction worker. Give you anointing to fix cars. God can give you a divine anointing if we will show him that we want to witness with the work he's given us. So today, I just want to encourage you. This was laying the foundation for where we're going in this series. Two big thoughts as we leave that I want you to think about to remind you. When you go into Monday tomorrow, your work is worship to God. Your work is worship. If you're doing it unto Him, it's worship. If you're doing it unto Him, it's sacred. If you're doing it unto Him, it's holy. And you're not just doing secular work. You're a priest. You're a minister. You're in service to God. Even outside of church. And when you work as worship to God, it's going to bring glory, God's presence and beauty, into that workplace. Through you. Through you. God wants to do that through you. But when we work as well, that work is going to be a witness to those that are around us. Not by us being loud and boisterous and obnoxious Christians, 
but being the best at what we do, but being excellent, be being a hard worker, by having a great attitude. And that will give us credibility that people want to know the God that we know because our work is a witness to them. Should be. Can be. I believe that with all my heart. That's how workplaces start changing. That's how schools start changing. That's how communities start changing is when the people that are in the church have this mentality and mindset that I'm called wherever I go and I'm a minister wherever I go. That's how God brings his glory into the world around us, through us, through us. Did you get some today? Let's stand up real quick. Let's just lift up our hands. Let me pray for you for a second. Father, we just pray right now. We get in agreement right now as a church family. We put maybe wrong thoughts or wrong feelings we've had about work in the past. We put those behind us. And we, today, let us have a renewed vision, renewed mindset towards our work, towards what we're called to do. Father, we ask right now that we would see our work as worship. We would see our work as witness. That, Father God, that you would minister to us right now. Change our attitudes. Change our hearts. Father, we, we, we pray right now that you would give us revelation of that as we walk out of this room today. And that we would do whatever we do, whether we eat or we drink, it's for your glory. And whatever we do, we do it as unto you. Not unto men, not unto other people. We thank you for it today. And I pray right now, because I know a lot of you probably felt discouraged about your work. We, we pray right now that they would have an encouraged heart today, an encouraged mindset today. That, Father, that, that, that attitudes that we've had built up towards our workplace or towards our boss or towards what we do, Father, that, that you give us a new mental attitude, a new heart Father, if we need to change jobs, that you'll direct us to the right one. And if we need to do something different, that we'll hear your voice to change. But wherever we're at and whatever we do, we'll do it unto you. And we pray, Father God, right now that through this series that you would bring encouragement and hope and a renewed sense of purpose to all of us in here about the meaning and purpose behind our work. And I pray, Father God, that none of us would waste time or waste any more of our life, but we would use our time for your glory, for your worship, including all the hours spent at work. We pray, Father God, you give us a renewed sense of that in purpose today. Does anybody agree with that this morning? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come on, can we just thank you for a second? Father, we just thank you that we can have jobs, that we're we're able to work. We, we thank you we have a mind that can comprehend. We thank you we have a body that can work. We, we thank you that all the, the gifts and abilities you have given us, that we are able to, to work at the jobs you've given us. We thank you for it today. We, th- we thank you for the blessings that have come out of that, that we've been able to take care of our families and, and to, to buy a house or to buy a car and to, to be able to give. We thank you for the ability to work and, and to have opportunities, Father. We thank you for that today. We thank you for that today.
We thank you for that today. Thank you, Father. We love you and we thank you for it today. Thank you for that ability. And I pray over your people that you would give them a new anointing to go further than they have went in the past. A new anointing, a new grace. Add to them more ability in their jobs, in their workplace, to go beyond what they think they could do in the natural. That you give them divine ideas, divine plans, divine solutions. Help them to be a blessing to where they work. Help them to be a light at where they work. Father, we thank you for it today. That they would excel and be excellent in everything they do because they have a different spirit. They have your spirit within them. We thank you for it today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our helper today. Thank you for living big in us and through us. We love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. We thank you, Father, for it. Thank you, Father, for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We love you today and we thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.